Hey everybody, it's Pete from Masonic Light Podcast, and I am at the VFW in Mount Joy, Pennsylvania, with Larry. Hello, I'm here. And Josh, the intern. Hello. <laughs> and uh, we just had a uh, Tall Cedars meeting. Yes, we did. Uh, actually, I think it began at five o'clock, which is when I got here. And what time is it now? My clock. Uh, right now is eight twenty. Yes. And this is the longest Tall Cedars meeting I have ever been to in history. People will know now. When Larry was when Larry was in charge, like the actual business of the meeting went this long. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's another story. Yeah. But people are still we're still having fun up until two minutes ago. Up until two minutes. That's it. We're the last three here. Yeah. And um, so, what did we do tonight, Larry? What do we do tonight? Oh, we had degree work here. Believe it or not, we had the loyal order of turtles degree the ancient order ancient, of ancient turtles order. but it was it was well attended people came from far we had two people two brothers in here from philadelphia lodge yeah. 126 actually yes yeah so i mean we had a good attendance every time we do this at tall cedars like when we did the yellow dog degree we had massive attendance yeah we got a couple petitions tonight which is uh straight i don't know why people want to join but thank you yeah yeah well, I think people come to these fun functions and they want to join, but then they go to a regular meeting. <laughs> but, but, okay, so like um, John, I, John Humphreys, who went with us to, um, oh, where did we, Pottsville. He went with us to Pottsville for the coal cracker degree. Right. He showed up for the yellow dog degree. Right. And he showed up tonight for the turtle degree. Okay. Well, okay. It shows me something. Yeah. Like, you need to offer something different for people to show up. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Now, I understand if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, that maybe a few people will enjoy it. But, I don't know. You just, you just got to keep branching out. Well, here's another take on tonight. How many people listen to Masonic Light podcasts that I actually were here tonight? At least five. At least five. Yeah. Five listeners. Two were people I never met that were listeners. But anyway, Josh the intern shows up late. <laughs> That's my thing. There we go. Yeah, and by the way, uh, next Tuesday will be Josh's uh, actually, is it your first time to sit in the East? Yep. That you're filling in for our worshipful first. master who's on the leave of absence right now. Yep. And uh, so everybody, uh, Lodge 476 in Lancaster, Tuesday, 7.30. We're showing up to support him or harass him or whatever the hell we usually do. Are you going to be here like forever? Or is he going to come back? The continuing saga of Lodge 476. Um, 476. Oh, 476. All right. Well, so well, let's go because the light turned off. We're assuming that it's still recording. I have no idea. Uh, anyway, see you next week. Absolutely. All right. That's good. I got to pee. I'm getting out of here. From the new recording lair located deep beneath the Wine and Spirit store in Ephrata, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the Masonic Light Podcast. Studio 665 presents Masonic Light Podcast. This show is recorded by Masons, for Masons, and is for entertainment purposes only. And please, no wagering. This podcast is not endorsed by any Grand Lodge, and the ridiculous ramblings of the hosts are their own. And now, here's your host. Good evening, everybody. Episode number 80. 80. 81. 81. 81. 81. Wow, 81. 81. Mystery episode. Um... So as of last night, we were asking Larry what the show is going to be about, and he said, it's a, it's a secret. So I come pulling into the parking lot. What could go wrong? There's t- like 20 people standing outside the studio. It's raining, and the alarm's going off. <laughs> <laughs> All is normal. <laughs> uh, it's 
because I got here first, unfortunately. <sighs> so anyway, we have a, a mystery event evening tonight. Uh, Josh, Tim, and I are completely in the dark. Uh, Jack uh, is somewhere recovering from a near-death experience. <laughs> and Larry is driving this short bus off a cliff. <laughs> I'm holding on to the fender. Go ahead. Right. So, Larry, you want to tell us uh, what we're talking about tonight? Well, no, we'll get into that. But let's first do our normal go-round table. Oh, okay. Still a mystery. All right. Because All right. well, it's, it's, I don't think he knows. Okay. Josh, what have you been up to since our last show? Uh, do you want me to talk about last night? Well, you can talk about your, your portion of it. Sure. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I showed up partway through the, uh, the turtle degree last night. And, uh, yeah. Or as Pete said, you were late, but <laughs> you late. really weren't late because you called and said you were going to be late. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I've been up to. And I successfully pulled off School of Instruction. Awesome. Uh, although I was. Mm. You had uh, to confer with the second or the. Yeah, or but I got out of conferring because uh, Jason Martin is in my lodge. So I allowed him to confer the second oh, for me. Oh, nice. Oh, well, very nice. <laughs> All righty, Tim. Uh, so the only thing I've done Masonically um, since our last podcast uh, was on the 18th, attended the uh, Cigar Lodge up at uh, uh, Hamburg, uh, where the uh, Warrant of Constitution of the first Cigar Lodge in Pennsylvania was displayed uh, by the Grand Smoke, Ed Stum. Uh, had a great attendance, a great picnic uh, there, uh, as we usually have in August. And it was very well attended. Ninety-six um, degrees outside. It was like a hundred and six or something. But wow. uh, uh, it allowed for the consummation of uh, many beverages, along with some great cigars and fellowship. Um, the only other thing uh, was, uh, and this was hard to believe, that it was time to send out the September notice for our uh, September stated meeting. So that's been the extent of my Masonic work in the last couple of weeks. Larry. Uh, yeah, uh, Goose and Gridiron on every Thursday, by the way. Amen. Uh, tall Cedars last night. Spectacular. Mm, absolutely. Spectacular. Wow. Uh, we did the, the uh, turtle degree. We had a great attendance. We had brothers coming in from Philadelphia, from mm. other parts of the world. Pete, you talked to most all of them. Oh, wow. uh, great success. It was, mm. it was fantastic. And uh, <clears throat> it was a good night. Uh, and we're here tonight. It's another Masonic function. So I'm done. Yeah, uh, so yeah, last night was fun. We had our uh, our turtle degree. Um, it was a good time. You know, I put out on the... Uh, usually I make people RSVP through uh, Eventbrite or pay in advance so I can really get a good head count. But since we were going to be cooking ourselves, I decided just to kind of throw it out on Facebook and just see what happens. Um, so we had a, a bunch of brothers come from Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it was just, it was great. I think we had a total of uh, like forty men. Yeah, it was forty-seven to be exact. Yeah, yeah I thought it was I thought it was close to fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and wow. um, yeah, and that's you know, usually tall cedars are uh, co-ed events, but this was stag only. Mm-hmm. So I just remember like last year we were having events and we were having twenty people with wives. Mm-hmm. It was pretty bleak. So um, you know, we just add offered something a little bit different and. Got a lot of help from my, my senior and junior where they're cooking. Um, uh, Butch, who is our longtime treasurer and past Grand Tall Cedar, um, he, uh, he brought a ton of food. Glenn Henry, who's our district deputy, brought some beer. And um, Jay Laser, big props to Jay Laser. He uh, mm-hmm. acted as Grand Snapper, mm-hmm. his shellness, and uh, <laughs> conferred the eternal degree. Um, it was awesome. And then, um, as useless as I always like to tell people that Larry is, uh-huh. both Larry and Josh stayed afterwards and helped me clean up, which was much, much appreciated. Yeah. Well, we also had an MLP meeting, Masonic Lake Podcast meeting, and we, we did, did a pre-recording that we'll be playing at the beginning of the show. I wasn't notified of this. Well, it was uh, kind of impromptu. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, the last three people there were uh, Larry, Josh, and myself, and uh, they helped me clean up. Which and it was, was dark, and there were barely any lights in the building, so. <laughs> well, it was creepy. We were telling I don't ghost, even want to know. Ghost tales with flashlights. And... Oh, my. 
And that was it. So that was all I had. And uh, so let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll talk to mystery guests Ken Hudson and Stephen Henry. Why choose George J. Grove & Sons for your next home improvement project? At George J. Grove & Sons, we've built our reputation on quality and trust for more than 50 years. For planning to materials to installation, George J. Grove promises a home improvement experience second to none. Whether your goal is reducing energy costs, decreasing maintenance, updating curb appeal, or simply increasing the value of your home, the George J. Grove team will recommend and provide solutions that stand the test of time. Call 717-393-0859 for an estimate or visit us at georgejgrove.com. Welcome back, everybody. Our guests this evening are Steve Henry Jr. and uh, Ken Hudson, uh, otherwise known on Masonic Life Podcast as K-Dog, both of them here tonight. He said K-Dog. Are you serious? K-Dog. 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 Clear your ears. Oh, sweet Christ. <laughs> he said K-Dog. can't say that either. <laughs> Ken, Ken is the second person that's volunteered to be brother on the street that <laughs> has never turned in a report. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, yes, I have. Yeah, he has. Oh, yeah. I never he, heard him he, call he, inter- he interviewed the, the head of the Masonic Village, remember? And, oh, is that the oh, interview that was like Lord. eight hours long? Yeah, eight, eight hours eight long. Hours. Oh, <laughs> we'll never play. Well, I used to, well, you can cut it down to, you know, three-second interviews. It know? was just like a commercial. Yeah, well, we're was. doing a redo, a revisit uh, about, about a year, year and a half ago when we were still in Monarch Studios. Yes, they Steve, were beautiful. Steve, you showed up. Yes. Ken showed up and we had a great show, a hilarious show, and it was it was a super show. And one of the things I want to do was kind of bring that visit back, have both of you guys here, both you brothers here, and, and basically to talk about and one of the things you brought up was Freemasons volunteering in their community to help make that community better. I think it's one of our tenets, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. To do that. See we want to talk about uh, what you guys do to volunteer in the community or through your lodge or whatever. We also want to talk about that, and we also want to talk about some of the jobs that you've done, some of the jobs you continue to do. Uh, now, you're retired, but you still do a lot for uh, emergency management team and so forth through Lancaster County. But anyway, we want to start with that. So the first thing I want to start with and throw it out on the table is volunteering is really part of what we are really taught to do, not necessarily taught to do, something that should spring from our heart as a Freemason. So talk a little bit. You started on a, on a track a little bit ago, if you can remember that, and bring that up and let's talk about that. You know, I was just in meetings this afternoon, that's why I was late getting back to K-Dog. Now I know that's your nickname. Mm-hmm. Oh, K-Dog. Um, and the, <laughs> the individual said, you know, I can see he was speaking to me. He's like your passion for what you do. And mm-hmm. it's a calling of what you do. Um, and I, you know, at the end of the day, when you look at anything in Freemasonry from any of the historical knowledge, what we learned, the, the teachings, it all comes back to honestly making a a man a better man, if you will, and looking beyond and outside that, thinking outside the box, going into a community and giving everything you possibly can with all of your resources that you've been afforded over all your years, what you've learned from people, what you've learned from people that you didn't even know were Masons. You know, I learned from Mr. Duncan, God bless his heart. He was a past worshipful master at this lodge. And I, I don't know what the lodge number was and forgive me for doing that. I remember him telling me his key word was always patience. Patience is a virtue. 
granted, I went to Catholic school my whole life, so every nun always told me, ah, oh, Stephen, patience is a, a virtue, blah, blah. But him, and if I compare to where I am today <clears throat> in terms of what I do in my volunteering roles at giving back to the community that I was born and raised in, um, whether it be through my lodge or another part of the lodge or how we help people, is patience is it's a very long process. It's very painful, frustrating. When you kind of like this conversation, uh, right back at you, K dog. Um, but to see how that actually is that seeds planted and how it grows mm-hmm. and the outcome of it is amazing. Uh, a prime example, um, when I talked about community paramedicine, we had a, I encountered a patient, of course, it was probably during the cigar degree thingamajigger, thingamajigger, sorry, it was 106 degrees, <laughs> I felt like, outside. On a Saturday morning, we went out for this patient, it was the a female patient, and an hour late, an hour exactly, one hour later, we got called back out for the husband, I'm like, you've got to be effing kidding me. I mean, seriously. Get in there. I didn't say the actual F word, I just said F in with a apostrophe. But we get in there and I'm like, wow, these people need more than what they can be given. You know, we need to start filling that gap. And as a result of that and taking the initiative outside of what our normal roles are, because they've just fallen through the cracks. And these cracks in the system are bigger than the San Andreas fault lines, for goodness sakes. Because of just taking the extra time to talk and reach out to these social coordinators at the ER and getting these people help, they're finally actually not living in a hoarder's condition that threaten the lives of themselves, but also anybody else in emergency services. And when I say hoarder's conditions, I'm talking from the floor to the ceiling. There was a path that measured physically 18 inches from the front door to the rear of the house inside Charlie, what we call Charlie side. It was 98 degrees ambient inside the house. All the windows were shut. And it was already 106 degrees outside on a Saturday morning at 8.13 in the morning. Please understand, they're in their 80s. First off, looking at today's society, who's going to ask for help? And their biggest fear is, we're going to get sent off to the nursing home. And we all know the paradigms with nursing homes. I mean, you see one here or there. Look at Pete. He's going to Lancashire Hall here soon. He's on his way. God bless him. <laughs> but I mean, like those individuals, to see where they are, and I actually got to see them and follow up with them a couple weeks ago. The there's so much in a better, they're in a better place. They're happier. They're relaxed. Are there's they in no home? worries. Are they in a home? They are in a nursing home. Okay. And they're actually in the same room. Was that a Masonic thing you did? I didn't have to. That's the thing. That is the best part about it. From a provider, and stop winking your eye, little L-dog, if you call yourself that. Um, those things are not needed. You know, from practitioners, we do. We transfer a report on stuff. But it was taking the extra part of actually going out and looking beyond the box. These people need more help. And if we can't give them help, who can? What can we? This is an, o- an open question. What can we then, as Freemasons, do to address a problem like this? How many times have do you see a brother, you know of a brother who's struggling from time to time, or you hear them talking just in, in venting, if you will. You know, I'll go back to Brother Ken and I. We've had conversations for decades over this. Uh, so-and-so, a, a mutual acquaintance of ours. Do you hear about so-and-so? You know, he's always struggling. We reach out. For no rhyme or reason, we just reach out. And we just start asking questions. No, almost like a nosy question, kind of like what Pete would do as 911 dispatcher. He's like, well, man, are you really having chest pain or are you just scared of something or, you know, being silly? Um, and you're prying. As much as you're prying for that information, you're also collecting information to see what it is they need or what can we do to help them get them in the right place or who to talk to. The sad thing, though, is we are, we are such a filing cabinet of resources is the best way to equate it. Our brains are filing cabinets. We have all these resources in our brains. Whether we choose to use it or not is a whole different story. Well, Larry, I mean, I would interject. Um, it's kind of my standard mantra is that the Masons are not a, a charitable organization. They're an organization of charitable men. Um, they tend to attract. But, I, you know, I would say as... Uh, as a lodge, if your lodge is successful and your lodge has active people, maybe go out and do something as a lodge. But 
you know, start at home first. And, you know, we have our almoners funds. We have, but we really need to maybe do a better job of communicating with each other. You know, there's a lot of brothers that need help that will never ask for it. Correct. And pride, you know, there's just, you know, how many people, how many people are in Lamberton Lodge? 300 and some people. We know the 40 that come to lodge regularly, you know, uh, so the other 260, you know, if they were in a bad shape, we would help them if we knew about it. But have we done home visits? I mean, honestly, but I mean, if we're not out there being friendly with these guys, so that's why, you know, I I look at things last night, like, like Cedars, Um, you know, of the last 30 people that were there, 20 of them were from Grotto, you know, and from all over, from York County, Lancaster County, um, you know, uh, it's because we're friends. We've actually become friends and we can have those discussions and we just mm-hmm. i just think we need to as a as a as a group try and become i don't know friendlier with the guys that we're calling brothers and yes I, yeah. and and then we would know if there's something wrong I, I, or a better think, chance of knowing i was just going to say you're you're pete that that's really bringing it on very good I was at my wife, we were at a conference <clears throat> for my wife's job in June, this past June, and I'm in Ocean City, Maryland, and I'm on the beach with my daughter, just relaxing, and uh, I had a Masonic hat, a Mason hat on, you know. This guy comes out of nowhere, he's from Ontario, Canada. Brother! He's yelling like I'm a lost, long brother. I thought, oh, sweet Jesus, who is calling me on their beach? Uh, you know, Did he know. like throw some out boots? Well, he's yelling, there. his hands flapping in the air. I thought, oh, sweet Christ, what's going on? And he comes up, talks to me like I've known him his entire life. Never, and he's asking me all the things. He's like, "How are you feeling?" And he's seen the scar on the side of my head for yeah, one of the brain surgeries for the epilepsy. He's like, "How are you doing?" I'm like, "Look how observant he is." Yeah, you, know, you never think about those things. Like when we look at each other and we're talking to people. I mean, Gray and I wear my my hair very high and tight, tight like a military person. But they see a scar, like, "Oh, hey, how'd you make out with that thing there?" You know, I see a scar there. What happened? You don't see that as much as you probably could or see those things. Not getting into that personal depth. I probably would. Yeah, I don't know. I, I tend not to ask people those questions. I don't know what the well, answer is. Well, that would be Pete. Did you have a vasectomy done lately? That's kind of disturbing, Pete. One time in my 20s. And, and please, please remember, listeners, if Steve says anything that's kind of really unusual, he did have brain surgery. <laughs> Three times. Yeah. But no, I have to agree with Pete. You know, going out there and actually making it even more like are we going out and seeing each other are we seeing more people and that's even like part of that whole community paramedicine program well, it's, we, it's part of what you were missing. talking about with those yeah. two people we're missing the we're missing the point we get so wrapped up in everything else going on and there's a lot of responsibilities don't get me wrong um play like we heard last night you know the attendance is great we have good camaraderie we're all brothers what can we do that's even more to know because honestly in the older generation they will not ask for help yeah, it's true. K-Dog, how many times have you asked for help? In fact, I never had to ask for help. The Masons were always there for me. If for somehow or another, they, they always saw the need and jumped right in. Well, you should have joined earlier. <laughs> Absolutely, but, and I'm dealing with that part of it. But one of the, I think the key word in getting people to open up and finding out what their personal needs is is fellowship. Yeah, yes. You, you're not going to expect a guy that, that is in dire need of, of finances or, or anything just to come to you begging because we do have a certain sense of pride, and plus you don't know me that well. You just see me once a month at the lodge. That's not enough fellowship for, for that person to ask for help. So what we need to do is expand the fellowship. That's what I love about Tall Cedars, okay? That is a fellowship organization. Uh, I have gotten some very, very dear and close friends. You know, they're sitting right here in the room because of Tall Cedars. So if I, I feel comfortable if I needed something, advice or direction, and I have. I, I, I've gone to Larry when I'm writing papers, and I said, Larry, I need you to proofread and give some input on my papers for I submitted to the academy and and he came right 
to, to, to my rescue in that. So, and it's because I felt comfortable with that. I didn't worry about the fact that I spelled words wrong or the grammar was poor, you know, because we were friends and he could You weren't judged. It. Yeah, that's the judged. beauty. Of, you're not labeled. Sure. You're not judged. Un- until oh, my, I, I until judge. my wife read the paper. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with some more from uh, Ken and uh, Steve and maybe we'll actually hear from Tim. At the historic Smithton Inn of Ephrata, Pennsylvania, we're pleased to serve the latest creations from Weathered Vineyard Winery, along with spirits from Thistle Finch Distillery in Lancaster, all to be experienced in the tasting room of a beautifully restored 18th century bed and breakfast. Cigars by DNS Cigar are available for your enjoyment in the courtyard. The historic Smithton Inn is convenient to Lancaster County's most interesting attractions. Just minutes from the Ephrata Cloister and the Green Dragon Farmer's Market, and a short drive can get you to charming Lidditz, thriving downtown Lancaster, as well as Hershey, Bird in Hand, and Intercourse, or Valley Forge and Gettysburg. Whether you're looking for a romantic getaway or an active vacation full of sightseeing and attractions, the historic Smithton Inn will be a welcoming oasis from everyday life, one that you'll want to visit again and again. Stop in and visit at 900 West Main Street in Ephrata, Pennsylvania, or check out our website at historicsmithtoninn.com, or simply call us at 717-733-6094. Just ask for Passmaster Dave. We're back with Ken Hudson this time around. Get Ken, uh, what do you have to offer with this discussion? Uh, I started something uh, a few months back, um, ties by bow ties by Ken. And it was a fundraiser to support the, the Masonic Youth Foundation. Well, it started off as a small project and has really blossomed into a, a, a colossal uh, event. And it's, it's doing very well. So keep your eye out for, for more information about that. Okay. Okay. Uh, I took a course at Masonic Village for the, uh, the health care to, to visit, do visitations and fellowship with a lot of the brothers that are confined to to the facility. And, I, and I'm looking forward to spending some time with them and hopefully get them active in, in, in uh, a lot of uh, the appended bodies, you know. Uh, next year, I've, I've uh, been appointed to chaplain, got a whole new plan for the whole, whole uh, project. Chaplain for where? Lodge 43. Oh. New York City? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. At the Vatican. Well, at the Vatican. Yeah, for the village, yes. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. very busy. Yeah, well. <laughs> he keeps a very busy too. schedule. And uh, we're going to do something a little different this, this year. I'm going to appoint several assistant chaplains. Oh. To handle some of the visitations and, and handle funerals and other other types of activities and mainly fellowship, I'll still be the president of the uh, or chairperson of the fellowship committee, which I'm going to be working with Larry on some events. We're doing something different this year. We're not going to be meeting on on a, a specific night. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have activities once a month, and we already have a calendar together. The uh, uh, the board, so to speak, at, at Lodge 43 has already approved my budget that I submitted to them. A very generous budget. Okay. And then the. Uh, By the way, I um, might add, that's Lodge 43, not 476. Well, 476 will step up to the plate. I'm sure you they think? will. I know they will. I know they will, especially oh. with the ideas that, 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 that I'm going to be presenting uh, in fellowship. Because if we're going to do the job in increasing the numbers and the activities, Definitely. And one of the things I want to do, I want to look at uh, getting new people into some of the appended bodies, you know, like tall cedars, okay? Especially that I'm going to be next year be the uh, the senior deputy grand tall cedar. And um, uh, by the way, since I brought that up, uh, since Pete is here, might as well kiss his butt. Um, did a great here. job. Did a, did a great oh. job as, as leadership, is inspired. And uh, he doesn't know it, but, you know, he, he did get on my case a couple times in his own special way. And I, I read through the lines and picked, picked it up. But Pete kept raising the bar it, with Tall Cedars, and, and it's making our job uh, ten times harder. Well, hopefully all yeah. the new, you know, I'll offset all the members you guys will lose. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. Wow. we got to add some more, too, you know, on that. But, yeah, I, I think our biggest focus is going to be fellowship. 
fellowship. We want to have some fun. We want to do some crazy stuff, you know, and and involve the families as well. And that's the other thing I like about Tall Cedars than some of the other appended bodies, you know, that I'm involved in. So really what what you're talking about is a lot of volunteering for the various things that you're talking about yeah. doing, which relates to what we were talking about with Steve. Well, but I think my focus is is the volunteering, but if time now is, is at a premium. People don't have the time to volunteer like they used to. Very true. Okay? So, so what volunteerism that we do needs to be effective. Yes. It needs Focus. to be fun. Focus. And needs to be focused. Okay? That's the three Fs. But, yeah, I think that that's going to be the, the, the major focus. A, lo- a lot of fellowship, uh, making it fun, and, and getting folks involved. That the time they, and effort they put into it, they can see some value to it. So let me ask you guys something. Um, you've talked a lot about programs and things that you're doing, and one of the things here on the Masonic Light podcast that we've spent some time talking about over the last several episodes is how do we engage people of the generations below us in terms of the younger folks? Um, There's another gentleman in the room with us that wasn't announced. His name is Ryan. Um, he was a, a member of another lodge, and and has lost somewhat interest, or they lost interest in him, whatever. Uh, I've kind of scooped him up and to get him to be a lodge, took a petition from him to become a lodge 43. And we've been very active. We've been going out. You have to put some time into these people. Last Saturday, uh, those of you that may know Baraka, he is a prince from the Congo. Yes, and uh, he, there is a strong language barrier, but I spent four and a half hours with him, you know, because he's going for his Master Mason's degree. But we know that he won't be able to memorize the oath and obligation, but he understands the oath and obligation. He understands all the procedures and the rituals and things of that nature. Uh, we went over the history of, of the, the whole Mason journey, uh, Masonic journey. Uh, we also co- covered the Grand Lodge and, and local lodge. We looked at all the appended bodies. So he has a full, clear picture of that. Who is willing to spend four and a half hours with somebody, just one person? That's the kind of commitment you have to make in order if you want somebody to stick. Because if you just become an Mason, it's just like, well, I'm going to join, join some other organization. You have to have some some pride in, in the fact that letting them know that what you're getting into is worthwhile, your time and your effort uh, and commitment to it. We don't want to keep signing up these people, taking their dues money, and then you don't see them anymore. Okay, We need folks who are going to be involved and be committed to this as well. It's time for the Lodge Business Brief with Brother Jim Stevens. Well, again, Masonic Light Podcast listeners, this is Jim Stevens with another Lodge Business Brief. There are a lot of conversations in our fraternity about the membership numbers dropping and how we need to bring in new members. There's a disagreement on what the right number of members should be for each body, but there is a near universal agreement in the need to increase the engagement of the existing members and the newly raised. Many organizations, not just Freemasonry, have a small portion of their members doing the majority of the work. The 80-20 rule would suggest that 20% of the members do 80% of the work. My Baloo Lodge has over 600 members, and each meeting may have 50 or more in attendance. Over the course of the year, we may see 20% or about 120 of the 600, but not much more than that. So how do we involve the other 80% of the members? First, let us agree that it is not 80%. There is a significant portion of the membership that due to age, health, or living out of the area will not be involved. There is also another group that will not be involved because they're heavily involved in appended bodies, other civic organizations, or at a stage in life where they may be limited in what they can do. For example, having young kids. That means we have three groups of members. The first group is already active. The second group is available but not active. And the last group is not available nor active. Engagement starts with communication. Our members cannot be involved in events and meetings they do not know are happening. Additional communication will show existing members that the Lodge is active and healthy. Each group will have a different set of needs and possibly a different type of communication. Internal communication that targets the available but not active group should serve to entice them to come back to Lodge and get involved. 
Traditional lodge notices are not enough to accomplish this goal. If they were enough, they'd already be active. Today's Digital Age provides a number of inexpensive ways to supplement the monthly notices with details of the lodge activities. Lodge call em all systems, social media, and web pages all provide private places where lodge activities can be posted. Many of these platforms cross-communicate, significantly reducing the amount of work and increasing the footprint of the message. For example, you can create a text-to-voice system that can send an email, a text, or call the member, depending on what the member wishes. Facebook posts can feed Instagram and web blogs. There's a risk of over-communicating, but that risk is reduced if you let your members choose which platform they want. For example, allow them to opt out of the call-all system. Additional methods of internal marketing can be found in my book, Lodge Business, The Theoretical Application of Entrepreneurial Business Practices to Blue Lodge, available on Amazon. This is Jim Stevens with your Lodge Business Brief. Sonic Light Podcast. This is Past Master Moyer calling in. I just uh, finished listening to uh, episode 77. I think the title of that episode is Going to Williamsport, which never happened. But I think uh, the title should have been called The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. The good part about that show, and there was a number of good things, was he started off with my call-in, which you ought to do all the time, because that'll tend to set the, set the bar real high for the show and drag all you guys up to a higher level of uh, whatever you want to call it. The uh, recognition for the Grand Smoke and the warrant for the Cigar Lodge was outstanding, and Jim Stevens' Lodge Business Brief was outstanding. So that's, that's the only good of that episode. The bad part, and there was a lot of bad stuff in that show, Larry, nobody cares that you had dysentery and flu we could care less that you move. We heard about it over and over and over. I hear about it every Thursday at breakfast, getting tired of it. And Pete, nobody cares about your blood issues. And Pete, if you're going to promise something and you don't follow through, that's not good. You're going to, going to record going up to Williamsport, alleged technical issues. I find that highly unlikely, probably a little too much, um, <clears throat> you know what, on the way up. The ugly part of the show, and there's a lot of ugly as, as much as the bad, was you brought up about Russ Baker being grandfather for cigars at the Masonic Village. That's really good. Now all the jealous people are going to go to Joe Murphy and complain, and then Russ won't be able to smoke. And then the really ugly part was at the very end when you tried to make me sound like I was drunk and called in again. That was terrible. It just sounded like I was talking... Like I had a stroke or something. So, yeah, pick on all the people that suffer from strokes. You guys are terrible. Maris, you didn't say too much, and I hate to say this, but maybe we ought to keep you on a little bit longer because the few times you did talk, you brought some sanity to this good, bad, and ugly episode. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's a uh, special bonus interview. Um I let Larry drive long enough, and now that I've got the truck out of the mud, um, we had a guest in this back of the in the back of the room who actually like raised his hand and said, "I have something to offer." So please introduce yourself. Hi there, everybody. Uh, my name is Ryan Harzer. Uh, I became a member about three years ago. I was uh, brought up in uh, the Brownstone Lodge, uh, and since then, uh, about three years ago, I kind of dropped off just a little bit, but. Uh, Dropping off and coming back in has actually been a fantastic experience. Well, the coming back in part, not so much the dropping off part. And uh, normally it's a personal question, but we'll ask, how old are you? Uh, right now I'm 23. Okay, so you really are the young, as us old men <laughs> are discussing how to reach out to the younger generation, there is a the younger generation actually in the room. Hey there. <laughs> so uh, we're going to do something outside of our Masonic character and actually get some real advice instead of just making it up <laughs> so uh, when you joined what was it that uh in interested you into becoming a mason 
Well, what interested me was I personally worked at Masonic Villages, so I got to see a lot of just brothers in motion doing what they were doing. And every single one that I saw, well, I can't be honest and say every single one, but most of them that I saw were fantastic people. They were just nice to everybody in general. They would offer help even when it wasn't asked for. And, you know, that's a kind of charity that you don't see often anymore. Okay. Now what – so when you asked to join, there was something that maybe you thought you were, you were looking for or something mm-hmm. you thought you were going to get out of this. And then obviously if you stopped coming around mm-hmm. – you didn't find it. Mm-hmm. So what kind of were you looking for? and Or was there any kind of um, incident or lack of something that made you kind of lose interest? Well, it's never that I lost interest. I was met with a personal tragedy in my life at the time, and that kind of pulled me out. And it kind of financially pulled me back. Uh, and because of that, uh, during that time, after I got my third degree and you know went forward a little bit but didn't get to go as far as I would have liked, I just didn't have the time. And my master at the time was always telling me, make as much time as you can for the things that you need to do. And until that's taken care of, then good focus on, on your Masonic experience. Uh, sadly, uh, he did pass shortly after, so I kind of lost my, my gateway into that world. So it's kind of just right. been a stagnation kind of thing where I would look around I might have found one or two interested parties, but it wouldn't take too long until it just kind of fizzled out. Okay. And where did you run into our, our friend, uh, Brother Ken? Uh, Brother Ken, uh, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> a friend at uh, Masonic Katrina, she uh, introduced me to Ken. And uh, ever since then, <laughs> Ken and I have gotten along like two peas in a pod. And uh, mm-hmm. I got to say, Ken's been doing a lot to keep me interested. Uh, K-Dog, as he's called, uh, well, I think he calls himself that. Nobody else does. <laughs> Larry gave me that, that collar. <laughs> yeah, just like the DMB, right? Yeah. <laughs> but no, and I think, and, you know, and, and, and Ken did allude to it earlier, albeit in a very verbose and snore-inducing way. Um, Ken does a really good job of, even though he's an older gentleman, he is a kid at heart, mm. and he reaches out to everybody and he makes everybody feel like a friend that's right he's charismatic and yes. that, that's what he's really got going for him uh because what uh, really... you can't tell but i'm blushing <laughs> <laughs> you're right i can't tell so but, uh, uh... what what ken had was a charisma because i would go to a lodge meeting and i would see a lot of sullen looking people that just were kind of there because they were there. Uh, you know, maybe somebody brought them or maybe they just got up and they were there that morning. Who knows? But it, it, it's the energy that Ken brought that was like, okay, there are people in here that are actually excited about it and want to push forward with his so, projects. So what do you think? Because I remember like when I was in my 20s and 30s and when mm-hmm. people uh, that were currently my age in the 50s, think they're trying to be hip and cool and reach out and, <laughs> yeah, and they yeah, sound is so lame so what would, what would the advice be that you would give people that are you know older mm. to try and connect with the younger guys to make them feel welcome and to try to get them to be more welcome in the lodge and take ownership well uh the way i see it is uh since the advent of the availability of the internet to everybody has made culture move from you know a, a slow pace to a train pace it's been going so quick and it's been changing so much and we can engage with people that are nowhere near our communities but share the same values and ideas as us that i see a lot of my generation mm. pulling back from their own immediate communities and going into their own bubbles where they're where they're liked and welcomed and all that kind of stuff. But what I see happening more often than not isn't necessarily because they're being pushed out from their communities, because that's not what it is. Because everybody is who they are and they're complicated. We're all human beings. We've got everything going on in our lives, whatever. Mm-hmm. But what really helps is when someone like Ken approaches you and there's no airs on his character. There's there's nothing there. He's coming to you as who he is. He's not pretending that he's more important than he is. He, he's not letting anything get to his head. He is coming and engaging with you as a person. 
and that's something that is is rare that that a lot of younger people will will either think is true or is just true and it makes them afraid because you know if anybody powerful approaches anybody else they're like oh god oh, oh god what do i do You're the first person that's ever called ken powerful <laughs> <laughs> i disagree with that i can give you a never mind <laughs> Well, no, and I will agree with you. I think one of the things that um, I've learned about um, maybe through Grotto and uh, and definitely so, you know, another non-Masonic adult organization that I'm in, um, you know, the whole idea is everybody just acts like a bunch of kids. Yeah. Everybody, like, so if I'm talking to a 90-year-old gentleman that's there, I'm not walking on eggshells and mm -hmm. I'm not talking to him like he's some 90 year old feeble man. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I bust his stones. Yeah. I, I walk up to him and I, and I give him a hard time and you know, that's what he wants. Cause everybody else in his life is mm -hmm. probably treating him like the old the, man, this, that he this is. old guy mm -hmm. that's yeah. just kind of in the way or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. And no, he wants to be exactly. har harassed <laughs> and and he throws it right back because mm -hmm. I mean he's seen it done more than I have, ever will and that's fellowship mm -hmm. yeah. yeah well and one of the things that you mentioned was um, someone met you where you were mm. oh yes um, and I think that's I, I recently retired uh, as an organizer and that was one of the things that that we taught is you have to go where people are not where you expect them to be exactly mm -hmm. and I think that's what you were talking about and that's a huge leap for a lot of folks oh, 100%. is being able to meet people where they are mm -hmm. not where we want them to be oh yes and you know it, sometimes it'll be not so savory places mm -hmm. but sometimes in the not so savory places you'll find the nicest of people and what it comes down to at the end of the day is, like you said before, that uh, the Freemasons aren't a, a uh, charitable organization. It's, a, it's an organization of charitable men. Right. And a lot of people in my generation are actually fairly charitable, or at least they have the ideals that are charitable, but they're afraid to engage with outlets that they're unsure are charitable. Mm. You can never be sure if, you know, the money that you're putting into a charity is actually going where you're saying it is. There's maybe like two or three legitimate ones that I could think of right now that you know the money gets there. So when it comes to masonry, however, I see that. I, I actually see that. And then at the end of the day, I also see the brotherhood. Because I, you know, I was invited to I was invited to go out again with Ken at the mm -hmm. Liederkranz. There was a fantastic gathering. It was gorgeous. It was beautiful. Everybody there was having a good time, and they were enjoying each other's time. Yeah, and you maybe if that wasn't your community and your culture, you would never just pop in there on your own. No, no, right. Yeah. You need to be kind of welcomed into some mm -hmm. of these things. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And and Ken having the ideas that he has to have less meeting oriented things and have more activity things that's that's powerful that's what makes ken powerful that's an idea that can go far just because it, it changes the image from you know some clandestine secret organization that half the people think are some mm -hmm. illuminati kind of thing too which we are by the way <laughs> oh, still yeah. Yeah, the incantations are powerful but regardless of that it's it's the reality is that it's an organization of charitable men and that's what's important, and that's what will reach out to the people that are younger that actually want to engage and do something. Well, one one thing that I would I would offer anybody that's listening and gives a, I don't know, a slight care about my ideas. <laughs> um, one of the reasons why I stuck around and continued with it, and you know, later became an officer, is the guy that was my first line signer. I got in, but he made sure. He would remind me for like a week prior, and he would call me the day of. And then when it was time for me to go to get my second and third degree, and even when I got in to my first two or three meetings, he was on the phone with me. He was calling me. He was reminding me, and he picked me up. So many of those times, I mean, that's back when I worked for the phone company. I worked in a busy call center. My life was stressful. I mean, all I wanted to do was just come home, grab a beer, grab a remote control, and just do nothing. Mm -hmm. 
And, you know, I didn't have to wear a suit to work. So the idea that I would have to come home quick, put a, put a business suit on, and go show up with a bunch of old men at something that really wasn't that fun <laughs> and enjoy an egg and olive sandwich. <laughs> it was so unappetizing. Mm-hmm. But my buddy made it a point to drag me out there. Yeah. And then when we were done, kind of like the reward, the carrot and the stick, he would take me out to a, a pub afterwards and we would drink till two in the morning. Wow. <laughs> That's commitment. Yeah. Yes. He, he, so, I mean, you don't need to, you know, get your new guys drunk, but like you could. But it helps. Yeah. It helps. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you for your insight. Hey, no problem. And I appreciate it. And um, so there's your little bonus interview. Good news, everyone. Masonic Light News. News not fit to print. Hello, everyone. This is the Masonic Light Podcast News of the Week. In an effort to increase both interest and involvement in the Masonic fraternity, Hiram and Solomon Lodge Number 123 created a committee to survey members and potential members as to the activities that would appeal to younger members. The committee reported at a recent stated meeting that it found younger members just wanted their lodge to be relevant to their generation while still maintaining a focus on charity, Masonic ritual, the esoteric aspects of the craft, history, and fellowship. The committee received a thunderous applause from the lodge for their findings. The next item on the agenda was the report from the lodge banquet committee who was concerned about recent low attendance at previous banquets. In an effort to improve attendance, the committee went on to announce that the entertainment of this year's anniversary banquet would be a local band playing the smooth tunes of the Benny Goodman and Glenn Miller Orchestra. And that's the Masonic news for this week. So mode it was. Oh, oh God! So, <laughs> that never happens oh, in God. our lives. Take us around. So, uh, Tim, what do you have coming up uh, next couple weeks? You have. Uh, we're getting back in the Mason season. We are back in the swing. Um, the day after this uh, episode drops, uh, we uh, Eureka West Shore Lodge Number Three Hundred and Two will hold its uh, September stated meeting. Um, and uh, that's always a fun event. We're going to get uh, formally introduced to our uh, incoming district deputy. Um, the following Monday on the 12th, uh, Samuel C. Perkins Royal Arts Chapter uh, will uh, confer the uh, Mark Master Mason's degree. Uh, so if any uh, brothers out there need to receive that degree or other Royal Arts chapters need that conferred, please contact us, and we'll be happy to invite your folks to come join us. Um, also, as we have been announcing, uh, don't forget that um, the Lodge in the Woods uh, will occur on Wednesday, uh, September the 18th, and on the 25th, uh, will be the 3rd Masonic District's Lodge of Lowvale. Uh, and all of those have been previously mentioned, but I wanted to make sure we called attention to those. Brother Ken, what do you have coming up next couple weeks? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we don't have a long enough program. Uh, calendar is pretty, pretty full from, from every day. Uh, a lot of things that are going on uh, at the village. Um, uh, going out to uh, various uh, demon A functions, uh, Father... Uh, uh, dad and son uh, day tomorrow night um, a lot of a lot of uh, Masonic stuff and then we're coming back in September uh, things are going to pick up and get very very busy you know uh, I'm spending a lot of time on my um, uh, trying to get all my papers d- done and complete for the Academy of Masonic Knowledge which is really really difficult uh, if you want to know how dumb you really are take that course but other than that, that that's going to keep me busy. Brother Larry. Uh, other than Goose and Gridiron and uh, our first lodge meeting next Tuesday, Lamberton Lodge 476, of with which our our producer Josh will be worshipful master. Uh, other than that, that's that's all I've got going on right now. 
Yeah, I've got. Uh, I'll be making a guest appearance at my, the lodge where I'm a past master um, to see to uh, criticize Josh's performance. Um, other than that, I'm going to. Uh, I'm getting ready for my council meeting for this month. Uh, I'm going to have a brother who usually confers the um, super excellent master degree, which is. Really, the only people that go get that degree are men that are going to sit in the chairs of council. So a lot of members don't have that. So uh, he's going to kind of explain it a little bit for everybody. And um, it really is one of the most beautiful degrees that nobody's ever seen. Um, and then at the end of September, I have um, an AMD meeting. And we're going to be uh, bringing in a, a new brother and uh, doing be my we don't bring men in very often, so it'd be kind of cool. I get to do my installation, which I don't know. I've never done it before, so I better study. Mm. We also uh, forgot to mention autumn days. September ah, 21st. Yes. 21st. Yeah. And we're going to be doing a pumpkin roll. Cool. We're going to take a uh, Jack somehow. Now, Jack, the guy that almost drowned, <laughs> he makes a lot of good decisions, <laughs> including a dump truck full of pumpkins at the top of a hill. And releasing them towards a bunch of juveniles and elderly. Oh, my. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? I can't so, wait to see Larry and Ken run. So <laughs> I'll pay 100 bucks. Bring, bring some splints. <laughs> Josh, what else do you have going on? I will not be there. Uh, I'm going to be bailing on the 476 meeting, and you guys can run the meeting yourself. <laughs> 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 mm. No, I'll be, I'll be doing the, uh, the meeting. Nice. You'll be in the East. I'll be in the East. East. Good luck. And Brother Steve, you have any, are you going to be uh, Masonically anywhere? I will be Masonically at the Lodge 43 in a new role, to my understanding and agreement, as the secretary. So I'll be learning a whole lot of new things. Did you get a tuxedo yet? I did. Brother Ken, uh, bless his humble heart, has helped out tremendously with that. Did he take you to the DMB? He did not. <laughs> Don't let out my little secret. <laughs> a private stash. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited about it, but also very nervous at the same point because it's a lot of information and there's already a lot of people talking to him. Like, I have no idea who you are. So I've been taking a lot of pictures at Goose and Gridiron and saying, what's your name again? Let me get your picture real quick. Just uh, so the I good can news see is, uh, you, uh, you know, talk to Tim. Tim's uh, secretary, one of the biggest lodges in the state. Um, and... Uh, the good news is you can prep 95% of it. To my understanding, yes. And yeah. have it almost all – you're allowed to read. So you can have almost everything written out. Now, if somebody throws you some wonky votes and tries to dig up something from the digested decisions, just make the master squirm. Mm-hmm. As I was told from the uh, God love uh, – I'm sorry, mas- uh, worshipful master, Benicus, he's like – he goes, listen, worst case scenario, just stare at me like a deer in headlights, and I'll, I got gotcha. you. I'm mm-hmm. like, good, because you'll get a lot of that at this point right out of the gate. I'm like, uh, yeah. So I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm a little nervous, you know. To, You'll to do fine. Very, You'll do fine. Very honest, but I'm very uh, – very, uh, very humble that I was even approached by moral people to do such a thing. So well, I don't want to nice. bust your bubble, but nobody else wanted the job. That's okay, too. I get it. That's the understanding across the board. Uh-huh. All right. Well, thank Sucker. you guys for uh, coming out. Larry? Yeah, absolutely. Let's cue those chickens. Take us out of here, chickens. Oh, man. Special thanks to Effort Lodge 665 for making the studio available. And, 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 and setting I, the alarm And up. I apologize Sincerely for setting off the alarm that brought the, the police and security and everybody else down on us. Uh, thanks to Josh, our uh, producer, for making the show listenable. And please continue to make the show listenable. Uh, special thanks to our news director, Jack Harley, who's away on vacation. And uh, there's a story there, but we'll wait till he gets back. Michelle Snyder and James Stevens, uh, Masonic Life Podcast contributors, and the Tim Dedman, our marketing director. And I'm going to cut it short tonight. No jokes. Job. What? What? Assistant news director. Assistant news director <laughs> and assistant talent scout. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Larry saying good night and thanks for listening. Uh, good night, Pete. This is Josh. Good night. Good night, everybody. This is Tim. Good night. Ruff, ruff.
That's good. I got a pee. I'm getting out of here. <laughs>